You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Today, um, for those who are here, you should have gotten a flashlight. Did everyone get their flashlights? You got your flashlights? This is going to come in handy, okay? We're going to have a, um, you know, a little candlelight soft song here. I think uh, someone's coming up to the piano. We're going to play like Kenny G or something. I don't know. What do you play with? I'm going down the wrong path there. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you ever played this game or activity as a kid, maybe with your kids or your grandkids, where maybe you're, on, you're camping out or you're in the basement and you turn the lights off and you turn the flashlight on and you get your hands together and you start to make animals in the shadows. Have any of you guys done shadow puppets? There's one of the classics, right? Have any of you done shadow puppets? If you haven't done shadow puppets, I'm sorry. And you still have time. There's breath in your lungs. There are days before you. You can still uh, enjoy the pleasure and wonder of making shadow puppets. Um, You know, what's amazing about shadow puppets is with a good light source, uh, and some creativity with making shapes with your hands. You can keep kids busy for, for a long time. It's pretty incredible. You can make them laugh. You can make them cry. You can, you can do all that with something more, nothing more than a light. And, and if you've never done this before, or maybe you're a novice shadow puppeteer, uh, I want to give you some tips about shadow puppeting. Um, and you guys are really getting your money's worth today. Okay? We're going like above and beyond. You came just for church. You're getting advice on being, doing good shadow puppets. So here we go. Number one, the quality of your light source is key. The uh, quality of your light source is key. If you've ever tried to do shadow puppets, you may have realized if the battery's starting to go on the flashlight that you're using, they're going to be really bad shadow puppets. It's not going to work out real well. Uh, you understand how important this is. Your light source, if it's sketchy, your shadow puppets, the animals you create, whatever it is, they're going to be sketchy. Your light source matters. Number two, your proximity to that light source is important. If you're too far away or, or in the wrong spot, it's going to be really fuzzy. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to make sure that you're close enough to the light source so that it works, so you can get a shadow. And number three, Little things make a big difference. This is what's amazing about uh, making shadow puppets is your finger or thumb in the right place can be the difference between a rock and a rabbit. Um, And there's a big difference between a rock and a rabbit, okay, in the shadow puppet world. I mean, I'm an expert here. Um, One little movement can make something big come alive up on the wall. It's remarkable. And, and I know this all sounds really childish. And you, some of you are like, what is this pastor talking about? Why did I come to church today? Uh, this is the craziest thing I've ever thought of. Well, let me bring this to an adult level where we can all understand, okay? Making shadow puppets is a lot more than just entertaining kids. And I think as is true with a lot of things that kids do, there's a lot as adults we can learn from our kids. In fact, Jesus said that in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 18. Here's what he said. He said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never inher- enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? He's saying, there's a lot we can learn from kids. And, and we're going to learn something from, from kids today and really from Jesus today. So, so today I want to look at how we can make better shadow puppets in life, not just with our kids or grandkids, but with our coworkers, with our friends, our neighbors, and our families. Uh, and I'm not talking about making shadow puppets and taking a sh- the, your flash light to uh, your cubicle or your office this week and saying, guys, come in here. I want to show you something. It's really cool. I just learned this. It's amazing. That's not what I'm talking about. 
talking about hypothetically here. See, making shadow puppets uh, is something we do every day. Through our words, our actions, our social media posts, every day we're projecting something. Sometimes it's good and it's inspiring. Sometimes it's kind of a mess. Sometimes it's ugly. And the line between these two ends of the spectrum is really summed up in these three principles. Your light source, the quality of your light source is key. Your proximity to that light source is important. The little things you do actually matter. Now, now with my uh, apparent expertise uh, in shadow puppeteering here, uh, you might think these are my principles, but they're not. These aren't my principles. I want to be up front. There's someone much smarter than I that came up with these. These are actually life principles that, that someone came up with many years ago. Uh, they actually came out before there was even electricity. There was this guy, his name was John, and he uh, experienced this brilliant defining light that was so effective that he wrote about it so everyone else could actually experience it. The light, though, wasn't from a flashlight or a spotlight or even a candle. It actually came from a person. And, and I know it sounds weird, but, but metaphorically speaking, uh, he's talking about this guy named Jesus that would illuminate the world in a way that brought clarity to so many areas of his life that was fuzzy. And, and here's what he wrote. Uh, it's recorded in, in 1 John chapter 1. Now, throughout this month, we're going to be walking through this book, and uh, chapter by chapter. And what I want to do is we kind of start off. I don't know what your church background's like, or maybe you've been coming to Calvary. We don't do this all the time, but I want to ask you if you could stand with me. We're going to read this together, okay? If you're not real good at reading, just mumble your way through. If you're wearing a mask, no one will even be able to tell. Just move your lips. We're going to read this together, all right? I want to read God's word. There's 10 verses. It's not real long. So if you can follow along, let's, let's go for this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Verse 4. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this, sorry, we write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Last verse. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You can be seated. Great job, guys. You know, there's something powerful about God's word. I could sit down and call this a day 
And what we just read has power and authority and influence in our lives. What I want to do is take the next few minutes, though, and kind of walk through these verses together. And uh, as I mentioned before, we're going to be walking through this whole book over the next few weeks. If you want, you can sit down and read it. Maybe read a few verses a day. Uh, It's short enough you could actually read it all in one sitting. Um, But today I want to look at these verses and, and, and how Jesus actually is a light in our lives. A light like this, or even better, maybe uh, a light like this. This one's way brighter. So you guys, you're like, get out of my eyes. Um, we we want to see how can we experience not just a little Jesus, but the light that illuminates everything in our lives. Now, earlier in the New Testament, in, in John's gospel, he records this declaration that Jesus makes about light. Now, you might be confused. You're like, what's 1 John? What's John? What's 2 John? What's 3 John? These are all confusing. Uh, there were the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's why they put their names on it. It's really revolutionary. Um, and uh, the gospels told the story of Jesus. So they're more narrative in nature. They're basically the, the, the story of Jesus. Now, later in the New Testament, there are these other books, like Ephesians or First and Second Corinthians or First, Second, and Third John. They are referred to as epistles. Can you say epistles? That is different than apostles, okay? It starts with an E. Epistles are letters written by apostles, okay? So First, uh, Second, and Third John were short little letters that John, the apostle, wrote to the early church, to kind of encourage them, to, to really bring them back to the gospel, to bring them back, because you know sometimes we can drift in our life, and, and, and John, and, and Peter, and, and Paul, and all these different apostles would write letters in the first century to different churches around the world to remind them of certain truths, certain understandings. So, so John, in his gospel, talked a lot about Jesus being a light, and it's understandable that in his epistle, he comes back to this. And, and here's the declaration that John records in his gospel. John chapter 8, verse 12, that Jesus makes. Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't know if you've ever walked in darkness before. It is no fun. Uh, practically speaking, I have hurt my feet more walking in darkness with kids in my house than almost anything else. I've never met the boogeyman, but I have met Legos and Playmobiles and all kinds of other things that cause incredible damage to the bottom of my toes and my feet. Um, Walking in darkness is no fun. And, And in life, can I tell you, so many of us find ourselves walking in darkness. 2020, 2021, man, a time we found ourselves walking in darkness. We don't know what's around the next corner. We don't know what's happening. We don't know uh, what restrictions or, or, or what, what spikes or what's going to happen next. It's, it's dangerous. It's difficult walking in darkness. And Jesus said in, in John's gospel, I've come to be the light of the world. That You don't have to walk in darkness anymore. Jesus used, uh, throughout his time on earth, he used a lot of symbolism to illustrate why he came to this earth. And what God wanted to accomplish through him. I love that he used symbolism. You know, Jesus could have come and used these really big words that no one understood. And everyone would have been like, he's a really smart guy. Don't understand what he's saying, but I know he's really smart. Jesus didn't care if people thought he was really smart. He took these really complex biblical truths, these complex ideas, and he simplified them by illustrating them. And and here he's using one of those illustrations. He's using light, something that... In, in, in today's modern time, we get, because we have electricity. In that time, 
They didn't have electricity, but they understood the importance of light. There weren't street lamps. There, there was, they couldn't just flip a switch in a room. They would have candles and, and, and torches and, and different forms of fire to, to help illuminate things. Uh, they understood the importance of light because as human beings, we all understand the importance of light. And Jesus is trying to co- pull this correlation between the two. See, it, it was important that Jesus didn't just share information, but that he could communicate it in a way that could transform and change their lives. And, and today, I want to look at, through these verses that we just read, what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world, the light in our lives. In the first few verses of First John 1 that we read, uh, it says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, can you say heard? Which we have seen, can you say seen? Uh, which we have looked at, can you say looked at? And our hands have touched, can you say touched? What John is saying here is, listen, this Jesus guy wasn't just some mythical figure. He wasn't just some theoretical idea. He wasn't just some uh, guy that others had heard about or they had watched from a distance. They had physically experienced Jesus, like right there in front of him. They, they had touched him. They had seen his wounds. They, they had seen him do miracles. It was undeniable that, that they had experienced Jesus. And here's what's incredible about this. John was a fisherman. He wasn't a theologian or a scholar or a philosopher. He was a fisherman. But this Jesus had illuminated things in his life in such a way, in the world in such a way, that it brought clarity where there had previously been uncertainty and confusion. He didn't have it all figured out. But Jesus brought clarity in his life. There are times where we're trying to walk through life Maybe you're in one of those seasons now and you're trying to make it through life. You're trying to figure out which way I'm going and what's going to happen. What am I going to do with my job or my career? What am I going to do with my, my, my marriage or my family? How's this all going to work out? What do I do from here? And we're trying to walk through life in the dark. And Jesus is he's reaching out with this candle, this flashlight, this light. He's saying, if you try this, if you, if you try this, it's going to be a little bit easier to see. This is what Jesus came to bring clarity. He didn't just come to start some religion, but to bring clarity into our lives. Now, the truth is, Jesus isn't the only light in the world. There are a lot of lights in our world that we use to illuminate things. Friends, the news, social media, the list could go on and on. The problem is, sometimes these other lights uh, don't put life in the right light. Maybe you found yourself kind of spiraling in different moments where you're, you're surfing Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, or, or you find yourself watching the news and, and you get yourself worked up about things, or, or, or maybe a group of friends that just are real negative, negative Nancys or negative Neds, we'll use that, um, and, 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 and you get yourself all worked up. And, 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 and these, are, these are things and people and, and ideas that, that do bring light into your life, meaning they do highlight certain things in your life but they're not putting life in the right light. We, we all have these in our lives. And, and if we're not careful, we can easily find ourselves in an echo chamber where our ideas and our opinions are, are just further affirmed rather than clarified through a healthy filter. That's, that's because of this first principle. The quality of your life's light source is key. The quality of your light source. Yeah, you can have different lights, 
Uh, you can have a, a, a light that's maybe the battery's dying and you're trying to figure out which way you're going and, and, and you're seeing your way a little bit, but you're not going to see the detail and the clarity that you need. Jesus is the most quality light source the world has ever known. The quality of your light source is key. You know, sure, there are a lot of places we can strive to find clarity, but when Jesus is what illuminates our lives, not the news, not our friends, uh, uh, not, not the latest social media trends or memes, but when Jesus is the one that illuminates our life, he brings clarity in ways that nothing else can do. He, he clarifies things. You can see this over and over and over again throughout Scripture, where, where men and women were going to do some pretty outrageous, crazy things that God had called them to. And, and in logical terms, even friends and others around them said, that doesn't make any sense. But, but God brought clarity. Jesus brings clarity. He's the light of the world. He's not just a, a little candle. He brings clarity. In fact, in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, it says that God's word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Why does that matter? Because God cares about your path. He cares about your steps. He's not just distant. Like, figure it out. I created you and put the earth. You figure it out. You got a brain. No, no, he's, he's the light of the world. He wants to bring clarity. And the quality, quality of your light source is key. Some of you, maybe you've had a light source, but it hasn't been real quality of this last year. Maybe the last five years. Maybe throughout your whole life. You've had a light source, but it's, it's been taking you down some bad paths. The quality of your light source is key. Building on that, number two, your proximity to the light source is important. You know, if you make shadow puppets, uh, put the flashlight on, walk about 15 feet away from the flashlight and try to do uh, a nice, nice little rabbit or a nice little bunny or, or uh, 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 whatever, deer or whatever. If you can do a deer, you're really good. You're like next level uh, shadow puppeter, puppeteer. But um, the further you get from that light, it's going to get fuzzy. It's going to get uh, uh, shady. It's not going to be real good. Notice in these verses what John writes. He doesn't write, we observed Jesus from a distance and it changed everything. We watched what he did. It changed everything. No, he writes uh, what we read earlier. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Jesus didn't just bring clarity of sight. It wasn't just about John's path. It wasn't just about knowing, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to go. Okay, I get it now. It was more than that. See, Jesus totally transformed John's life because he was willing to be close to Jesus. And Jesus transformed every area of John's life because he was willing to be close to Jesus. In the book of Acts, there's this moment where Peter and John get arrested. They get arrested because this lame man in, in the, uh, the temple courts was healed. He comes to Peter and John, and well, he's, he's laying there basically uh, uh, collecting money, begging for money, and he asks Peter and John for money, and Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. This incredible declaration, and, and the man gets up, and he walks, and it's a miracle. And, and you know what the religious leaders did? Oh, that's bad. They arrest him. They arrest both of them. And they bring them before the Sanhedrin, which was the religious ruling body of that day. And, and it's interesting in the book of Acts, the statement that is made about Peter and John, both. The Sanhedrin, these scholars, these wise men that, that uh, had studied the law, the Jewish law for their entire lives, memorized it, lived it perfectly. 
They made, this, this quote is, is recorded in the book of Acts. It says, uh, they took note that these uneducated men, like they didn't have it all together. Uh, you might, you know, uh, say they were, you know, backwoods buddies. They, 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 they didn't have it all figured out. They, they didn't have the education, the degree, the credentials. They didn't have all the st- stuff that the, the men sitting behind the table at the Sanhedrin had. They took note that these uneducated men had been with Jesus. They were so close to Jesus that it rubbed off on them. It changed them. It transformed them. They would become the leaders of the early church. The proximity to the light source is key. It's important. You know, it's one thing for God to illuminate the path. It's one thing for, for Jesus to be the light that, that shines in a direction and you start to walk toward that direction. But can I tell you, if you're not close to the light source, if Jesus hasn't transformed you, you're walking down a very dangerous path because you're trying to do what only God can do through you. If, if John had tried to do what God had called him to do without being transformed by Jesus, he, he wouldn't have gotten very far. We need to be transformed. We need to be close to Jesus. It's, it's easy to learn about Jesus from a distance. You know, especially in, given the access we have today to information at our fingertips. You can learn a lot about Jesus. You can, you can learn all about him from a distance. You can study all the things he said. You can even memorize portions of his teachings in scripture. But can I tell you, that won't transform your life like being in close proximity to Jesus. You know, we've become incredibly familiar with this idea of proximity over the last 13 or 14 months. We've practiced distancing ourselves from others for the safety and betterment of others. And, and, and that's what we've had to do. But I fear that in our distancing, we've also distanced ourselves from Jesus. Because it's not just about watching a service or reading a devotional or knowing more things about Jesus, getting more head knowledge about him. Although those things can be incredibly valuable, it's about being close to him that changes us. Being close to him. I'm not, I'm not just saying, you know, knowing more about him, because we can know a lot of things about a lot of different topics but it doesn't change you. There's something powerful about being close to Jesus. What does that even mean? I know that's so theoretical, and maybe that's like you're, you're trying to process what that means. That means that he's part of your life. He's one word away. That in those moments where you don't know what to do, clarity has, is absent in your life, fear is dominant in your life, that you reach out to him and you're willing to talk to him. You're willing to invite him into your mess, to your fear, and into your overwhelming moments. Because Jesus wants to be there. He's not just some, uh, you know, spiritual figure far off. The Bible says that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He, he, he wants to walk through life. He needs to be close in your life. See, I, I, I hate this. I've grown up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm, I'm going to be 40 years old later this year. I can't believe I just said that. Why did I say that? Um, I'm sorry. I'm in my 30s. And I've spent my entire life in church. I mean, from the moment practically I was born. I wasn't born in the church, but as close as you can get to it. And one of the things that I really dislike about church in my years on this earth is we have allowed church 
to become such a distant practice. Like, we can go through motions, talking about Jesus, singing about Jesus, even sometimes even talking to Jesus through prayer, and actually never be close to Jesus. Because it's not about the practice. It's not about the ritual. It's about your heart and willing, your willingness to say, Jesus, I want you close in my life. Because the truth is, you can have the most eloquent, beautiful prayer the world has ever seen, and it could still be distant. Or you can just have a simple, simple prayer, and God's right there. Proximity is key. Proximity is key. And the last, last principle is little things make a big difference. Little things make a big difference. In, in these verses, in 1 John 1, John writes here, uh, some things that aren't really that complicated. He, he writes that we should walk in the light, that we should have fellowship with one another, that we should confess our sins. These aren't super complicated ideas as the worship team comes today. You know, these aren't super complicated uh, ideas. These are really small things that make a big difference. We've, we've overcomplicated this thing of following Jesus. You know, using the analogy of, of, of the shadow puppets, we're trying to do this whole big production. And Jesus is just saying, get the flashlight, do the puppets. It's that simple. Like, we're trying to overcomplicate it. We have to jump through all these hoops. We have to do all these things. And Jesus is just saying, walk in the light. Have fellowship with one another to be strengthened. As, as the book of Hebrews says, that, 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 that we can spur one another on toward good deeds. As the book of Proverbs says that we can be iron that sharpens iron. Be in fellowship with one another. And the last part, recognize we're not perfect. Confess your sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us. These aren't super complicated concepts because small things can make a big difference. The little flashlight you've got, it's a small thing. You can fit that in your pocket, your purse. You, you can fit that uh, in your glove box or your car. It's small, but it can make a big difference if you're walking down a dark street, dark sidewalk, a dark hallway. Little things can make a big difference. And I know we're, we're, we're walking through a season in our world where we're looking for big changes. We're looking for massive changes. We're looking for things that are going to improve or fix or correct so much. Can I tell you, we're not going to find those big things. They don't really exist. It's a myth. Small things is where it starts. One brick at a time. And in your life, yeah, it's important to, to recognize Jesus is the source, that light. It's important to be close to him. But he's not going to ask you to go do something crazy huge right off the bat. He's asking you to take simple steps. And here's the simple step I want to ask you to take throughout this week. Take time with Jesus. That's it. I know you're like, whoa, what's the deal? Give me something more. I need more than that. Take time with Jesus. Might mean opening your Bible for a few minutes and reading the book of 1 John. I would hope that would mean taking a few moments and talking to him about what you're walking through, about what you're excited about, what you're afraid of. Having a conversation with him about where you are and where you hope to be and listening to what he has to say about where he wants you to be and what he hopes for you. 
because it's beyond what you could imagine. I want to challenge you. Take time with Jesus. John writes the book of 1 John, especially this first chapter, not because he had uh, read the greatest book in the world, not because he had the greatest lecture in the world. He writes the first chapter of 1 John because he took time with Jesus. It's really simple. It's not super complicated. And if more followers of Jesus would actually take time with Jesus, I guarantee you a lot of the problems that we see in our world would be different. A lot of the problems we see in the church, a lot of problems we see uh, uh, of what, what are done in the name of Jesus would be fixed. Because when we're, we have the right light source, when we are in close proximity to that light source, to Jesus, and we're willing to do the little things right, everything changes. We're going to sing a song here before we go. If you want to stand with me this morning, I want to ask you, as we sing this song, you don't need to shine your lights as we sing the song, okay? We're not, this isn't the, uh, you know, lighter moment. Um, but as we sing this song, here's what I want to ask you to do. We have a few minutes here. I know, we have busy schedules. I don't know about you, got lots to do today. It's going to be a beautiful day. We're building a playset for our kids. It's going to be wonderful, hopefully. But we have this time. Can we just take some time with Jesus? Not, not worry about what's next, what's for lunch, what we're doing the rest of the day. That stuff, you already probably got that figured out anyway. And if you haven't, you'll figure it out as you go. Let's just take this time with Jesus. You know, for those of you watching online, wherever you are, just close your eyes. Let's take this time with Jesus. Do we sing this song? This isn't just about ritual song. This is about taking time with Jesus so we can be close to him, we can be changed, transformed by him. Jesus, I pray in these moments as we sing, you would change us, change our thoughts, our perspectives, our heart, our attitudes. Change us on the inside, Lord, so we could transformed on the outside. Change us, Lord. Transform us. Thank you for this time just to spend. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 